And welcome to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast that sits at the crossroads of faith and pop culture, where we discuss and talk about the stories and social issues that affect society today. I'm Son Edom, along with Dan Delzell. And and Dan, one of the big things that's happening right now is a revival that's going on in Kentucky at a small university, maybe college, Christian college, that has really kind of taken over and a lot of the headlines and a lot of the news and a lot of the secular, you know, kind of mainstream type news have even picked up on it. And there's some pretty amazing things that seem to be going on down there. And so I wanted to to touch on that today before we get uh, through with our conversation. But before we get there, I wanted to bring up something that I came across because when I see something like Asbury uh, and the university or the college that is uh, having this revival, um, I like to go into further research in depth and to see maybe what, you know, has come from it. Is there anything there? Um, is it legit? Um, I like to compare it to other revivals and, and kind of see because if you've been around the church long enough, and I know I've told this before, if you've been around the church as long as you and I have and you've experienced everything and you know everything, you kind of get a sense through the context clues of what's going on as to whether or not this is legit or perhaps there's some more behind-the-scenes stuff going on that maybe it's not so legit. And um, and so I was doing some stuff, and I happened to come across uh, some a video from – Bethel Church, which I think is in Redding, California, Northern California, and Jen Johnson is the um, the person that's speaking, and I've got a video clip that I want to play. It's actually audio clip, but it's from a video, and it kind of is repetitive. I want to warn people it's repetitive, but the point of the repetitiveness is that her comments are not just a one-off. It wasn't like she said it one time because in the video she is wearing different, you know, outfits, different clothing. So obviously she says said it more than one time. And she talks about what she thinks the Holy Spirit is like and how when what the Holy Spirit is to her. I want to play it for you. Get your comments and then eventually going to tie it into maybe what's going on in in Asbury. But this is one of the comments that she had to say about who to her the Holy Spirit is. And this will kind of probably offend you, but oh well. And the Holy Spirit to me is like the genie from Aladdin. I view the Holy Spirit like the genie from Aladdin. And he's blue. Unplanned. Perfect. And he's funny. And he's sneaky. And he's courageous and he's everywhere. And he's wonderful. That's who he is to me. And he's funny. He's sneaky. He's silly. He's wonderful. And I view him like the genie from Aladdin. I don't know where in my life that just kind of like came up. Maybe when I was like 10. I don't know. But because he's there, you know? And he's, he's the helper, and he's just always supportive and comforting, and he's just fun. So again, you might have heard the difference in audio recordings and stuff. The point was she has said it on multiple occasions. It wasn't a one-off, and you can go to uh, YouTube if you really want to uh, look it up to, to verify. But anyways, the point 
she's talking about is what the Holy Spirit is to her, comparing it to like the genie in Aladdin. Your thoughts? Well, I have a number of thoughts, Son. You know, um, I have not heard that before, but it was definitely a very interesting uh, uh, soundbite. And like you say, more than just one, uh, you know, it sounds like she has said it multiple times. You know, some of the some of the um, words that come to mind that it strikes me as being um, extremely um, irreverent. It strikes me as being um, extremely man-centered rather than God-centered. And what I mean by that is, it's like what the word faith movement does with Jesus. They, they try to turn him into a man and themselves into little gods. So they, they, they try to bring God way down to man's level and elevate man to like, wow, you know, we, 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 we can speak things into existence. We have the same power that God has. So it, it reminds me of that, only in this case it's with the Holy Spirit. Um, I, you know, I, I, would, I, would, I would have hoped that she would have been um, much more cautious in talking about the third person of the Trinity than to use words like, you know, silly and sneaky and, and, and my goodness, I mean, Aladdin and the genie in a bottle. And there, here again, here's the other uh, tie-in with uh, the word faith movement. I've said many times, Son, that the word faith movement views God as a genie in a bottle. And they rub the lamp, and, and he has to give them the riches that they desire, the wealth that they desire, the, the earthly prosperity that they desire. Um, and, and, and he, God, is the genie in the bottle for the word faith movement, um, or what sometimes is called the prosperity uh, gospel, which is no gospel at all. So her comments remind me of that, only instead of really talking about Jesus here, she's talking about the third person of the Trinity, uh, about the Holy Spirit. So I I didn't find anything that she said uh, that would in any way um, help a Christian have a higher view of God, a holier, uh, loftier, more respectful. Um, I mean, you know, uh, yes, Jesus told his disciples, you are my friends, but you can get so buddy-buddy with God that it turns into like what we just heard. And I I didn't hear any respect. I didn't hear any real, uh, I didn't hear anything of like a biblical understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. You know, he is not living in a lamp waiting for us to rub the lamp so he can grant us whatever we want. He has chosen, you know, God has chosen, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God has chosen to come dwell within us and make our bodies his temple. And and, uh, and through our faith in Jesus, when we were converted, the Holy Spirit came to live within us. The Bible says our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. And so any reference to any one of the three persons of the Godhead, or just, just God in general, either, either way, any reference to God being... A, a genie in a bottle, I, I, I find to be, um, if, if not blasphemous, you know, pretty close to that. Now, I, I, you know, she may have very good intentions, but but there's no understanding there, in my view. In my view, there's no understanding of, of, of who the third person of the Trinity is, because to talk about the Holy Spirit in such flippant terms, and, and you heard the, the audience then laughing, uh, maybe that was her intent, you know, uh, when she talked talked about, you know, the genie in a bottle. But, um, you know, you, you, you never hear Christians uh, over the past 2,000 years who have really been uh, mature in their faith, you never hear Christians uh, talking about God in this way, talking about the Father or the Son and the Holy Spirit. There's always a deep reverence.
reverence, a holy awe. Um, sure, uh, you know, we can talk about the Lord in very warm, close, personal, uh, intimate uh, ways in terms of the relationship that we have. Um, you know, the Holy Spirit allows us, uh, the Holy Spirit in us, you know, moves with this, this uh, really this, this cry of Abba Father. Uh, we have a very tender relationship with our with our Heavenly Father now. The Holy Spirit's given us that. But I didn't hear that in, in her description. I mean, even the image of a genie in a bottle, what, what is that? A genie is someone who grants your wishes. And it, it's kind of, you know, a genie is there to, to jump at your command. So I, I find that reference to be very um, sacrilegious, um, uh, harmful. Again, I'm not questioning her motives. I, I'm not saying that you know, she intended to be blasphemous, but, but I, I personally find that to be uh, just a terrible way to describe the third person of the Trinity. Um, he is not on our level. He is the eternal God, along with the father, along with Jesus, no beginning, no end. And when you're going to start talking about um, any one of the persons of the Trinity or, or just God in general, any, you're going to start talking about uh, God uh, with terms like silly and sneaky and, and a genie in a bottle. Um, I don't know what God you're worshiping, uh, what God you're trying to describe, but that is not the God of the New Testament. That is not the God of the Old Testament. That is not the God of history. That may be the God of your own making. And we know that in the New Age movement, um, they, they have gods of their own making. We know in the word faith movement, um, they, they, they've redefined God. We know in the cults, they've redefined God. Um, you know, Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe in the doctrine of the Trinity, nor do they uh, have an understanding of the gospel in their doctrine uh, doesn't make them, you know, bad people. Um, we're all sinners, but you can't just create God in your own image. And, and whether you're in a cult or whether you're, um, you know, in a, in a church that's, you know, starting to focus more on chasing after supernatural things, uh, which obviously that's what, what her church does, that, that becomes their priority. Um, and, and of course, now again, you know, every church has got mistakes that they make, but, you know, there was a big thing in the news. There, there were their church right a couple of years ago where there was a two-year-old who passed away, and it made news all around the world when they were praying and believing that God was going to raise this two-year-old from the dead. And um, rather than having a funeral, you know, this, this went on for a number of days. Uh, but, but, I mean, you can get into fanaticism. And, and that's what I'm afraid uh, it, it has happened there. Uh, that's a very fanatical thing to say about the Holy Spirit. That is not biblical. That is not helpful. That is not God honoring. Um, that, that, you know, it's like, here's my buddy. My, and not even that. It's almost like my pet. You know, I've got him in my bottle over here. I got him. I, he, he's blue. I think he's blue. You know, and he's silly and he's sneaky. Oh, that sneaky one, you know, and I've got him over here in my bottle. And, and But whenever I need him, I can rub the lamp and he'll come and, and give me what I need because it's all about me. So I. I, I don't know, son. I, I, yeah, I'm glad you found that clip. Uh, that's pretty frightening, though, to think that anybody would, uh, uh, you know, well, would hear that and then be influenced by it. Bethel, from my understanding, is one of the most influential ministries, perhaps, especially when it comes to music, worship music and stuff like that, that's out there. Um, and again, this is Jen Johnson, who is somebody that is a part of the worship team, maybe even the worship leader. You know, um, apparently she's a daughter-in-law to somebody big there, the wife maybe of the the pastor or something like that. So she's a pretty prominent person, is the point when it comes to it. But if I want to, because I don't want to pick on her, but I want to drive home the fact that these aren't just one-offs. Like I said, that comment 
and I could, and you know, I said it could have come. It could be just about anybody, really. But that's a comment that she had made on multiple times. You know, a lot of times people make the excuse, "Oh, I met at one time," taken out of context. But she has said it on multiple times. At least I think there are three different videos in that montage that it was taken from. Here's something else that she said in one of the settings that she mentioned the genie thing. But she went on even further, and she said this about the angels. And I thought of those angels circling that throne, and I thought, I bet they text each other. I bet they have farting contests. That is black. I don't... Get her off the stage. That is irreverence. It turned white, just so you know, as a thought. God's a heck of a lot more fun than we think he is. Mm. So, Mm -hmm. your thoughts on those comments? Well, um, you know, if she wants to be a stand-up comedian, and maybe she's got some gifts in that area... The one thing I would caution her against is trying to include God in her jokes because, um, you know, uh, that's just not appropriate, especially for a professing Christian. Um, but, but we hope nobody would do that. Uh, um, you know, uh, you know, for, for the same reason that Muslims who, who believe, um, you know, in, in, uh, in their God and, and, and have such a high view of, of Muhammad, um, we know, you know, they, they, they hate having people talk in, in irreverent ways about their holy book and their God. Um, but we know the true God. And, and, and likewise, we, we hate to, to hear, um, the true God, uh, mocked in this way. Um, and, and, you know, she probably wouldn't say she was mocking God, but I don't know what else you call it when God now, when the whole thing is a joke, um, you know, talking about angels in, in the way that she did just to get a laugh. And, um, and, you know, really, uh, um, it shows, Son, that the, the, the people that are listening to her um, do not seem to have um, discernment on, on the fact that this is, not, this is not something you would joke about. Um, I don't know. It's a different spirit. It's just a different spirit. It's not a holy spirit. And there, I'm not talking about the third person of the Trinity. I'm just talking about the message itself. I don't hear anything in that that's holy. Now, again, I'm not saying we as Christians can't have fun and joke around. I mean, you know, we, we, we can do that. We do those things, of course. But when you try to combine that with your, your uh, biblical teaching, and, and, and then you end up with like what she just presented there. Ah, that, that's, that's just so sad to hear that, that, um, anyone would come under that, um, that message. I'm not even going to call it teaching because it was, you know, there, there is so far from biblical teaching. I don't It's an attempt at being funny, but I, I think it's really done in very poor taste. Yeah, because all those people, the sad thing is all those people sitting there laughing. And I think it was a women's conference. It was all women from the little bit of the video that it was showing the audience. Um, And so so that's like the women, you know, and this is what they're listening to. Um, Then you take a look at other people, you know, the the Beth Moores out there. One time I saw a clip just recently of Paula White saying that God does not have the authority, basically, uh, or God cannot. Let me put it this way. 
make it more accurate to her statement. God cannot move in this world unless we give him permission. Oh and, and we give oh him my. permission, obviously, by giving money to her ministry. Um, yeah. Go right, look it up. Right. People go look it up. Um, you know, it's out there. Um, and yeah. so, again, oh, you yeah. have you. So the point is this. You have these established ministries, as they call them, that are having major influence. And this is the type of stuff that's being preached. So it's no wonder that the church in America today is part of the problem as to why we suffer from a lot of the issues that we suffer from today. Um, and, and so the, the, the doctrine of, you know, biblical Christianity is just not being spread. Because to me, that's not biblical Christianity, saying that, you know, angels are doing their thing and texting and stuff. And, you know, yeah. uh, the Holy Spirit is, you know, a genie. Um, you yeah. know, I mean, could, it was like it was like uh, Damar Hamlin. I think we had a little bit of a conversation about this, uh, you know, before where he was the, the, the football guy for the Buffalo Bills that got hit in the chest and then had the heart attack, the cardiac arrest. The oh, whole yeah. nation came, you know, to pray for him. And then he shows up. He gets better by the grace of God. Right. He shows up right. to the World Series with wearing right. a jacket, which a lot of people thought was sacrilegious because it looked like basically Cheech of Cheech and Chong hanging mm. on a cross with a um, um, mm-hmm. the um, crown of thorns, and it looked like Jesus was high mm-hmm. hanging on the cross. And a lot of yeah. people came out and were like, dude, that looks so sacrilegious. And then on top of it, why would you do that right after the fact that God healed you and the nation was yeah. praying for you, and then that's how you're yeah. going to respond? So it's, so it's it's just, I mean, the boldness in this is just unbelievable. Oh, son, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, when someone is not being led by the Holy Spirit and, and they try to engage in what, what they are um, – purporting to be a, a biblical presentation, there's no telling um, how far off the trail uh, they might go. And so I think those clips that you played uh, showed what happens when you you try to entertain people um, and then you, you know, she would have been far better off, son, not saying anything about the Bible, not saying anything about God, just having a, a you know, a little uh, time of, of jokes, I guess, with her with her friends at her conference, that would have been way better than, than uh, to do what she did, which in, in my way of thinking is so disrespectful of the Lord. Um, and again, I'm not saying she's intentionally doing it. I don't think she realizes um, any more than, you know, her church realizes that by um, um, getting people inflamed to chase after supernatural miracles, which is what their church does, uh, just like the word of faith gets people inflamed to chasing after uh, worldly wealth. But 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 uh, while there's a two two separate things going on there, one's chasing after miracles um, that you can see and and these you know just fantastic things, and they've had some pretty bizarre things happen. Um, uh, what I mean by that is I think what I mean you know, like feathers coming down and 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 gold dust and I mean just some really crazy things like like we've seen in some other so-called revivals with you know people barking and and uh, all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, you know um, it's just interesting. When you play those clips because I, I think that that movement is kind of like
like the the miracle, so-called miracle, uh, power uh, uh, power miracle uh, version of the word faith movement. Not that all of their doctrines overlap. I'm sure there is plenty of overlap. But both of them, and, and I think the genie in the bottle is a very interesting connection between the two, because both movements tend to look at God as being down here on our level, us kind of maybe being a little bit above God. We can do anything God can do, um, whether it be create miracles or create wealth. And uh, I, I just find it um, to be so alarming. Um, and, and people who get ensnared into that, they're not grounded in biblical theology. They're not grounded in the gospel. They're not grounded in justification and sanctification. Uh, well, what are they doing? They're either chasing after money um, and trying to speak wealth into existence, or they're chasing after miracles and, and constantly uh, obsessing over these, um, the, these miracles that you can see right now, rather than seeing all the miracles that God's working all the time, uh, the greatest being a soul being one, uh, you know, a, a person loving their, their, their family, loving those around them, serving the poor. I mean, there, there are miracles. I guess I wouldn't call those things miracles as much as fruit, but there is, there's so much going on all the time. Of course, a conversion is a miracle. That's the greatest miracle, the, the conversion of a soul. But um, I, I, I think, uh, I think that's unfortunate. You know, um, back here, you know, 40 years ago or so, 40 to 50 years ago, um, when, um, well, it's interesting because we were even talking about this on, you know, you had, you had the Jesus movement. And I think we were going to maybe talk a little bit about that today, but so I don't mean to jump the gun on that, but I just thought of this. So the Jesus movement with Chuck Smith and Calvary Chapel and, and a lot of people getting saved, you know, um, you also though had, um, another movement that kind of sprang out of that uh, called the vineyard. And John Wimber was, uh, kind of the, the leader of that group. And so you had Chuck Smith and, and John Wimber, but where they parted ways is Calvary Chapel continued to focus on, um, you know, emphasizing the power of the Holy Spirit, but only in conjunction with um, uh, just uh, regular exposition of the word, you know, preaching through the Bible is what, uh, you know, Pastor Chuck Smith did time and time again. I don't know if it was, you know, seven, eight, nine times over the years, he got all the way through the Bible and they just kept going and they would start over again and, and he would preach through the Bible and they'd have their, their services, you know, uh, Sunday and then uh, I suppose Wednesday, but, but it's just teaching and then other nights of the week. But um, whereas John Wimber, he was known on for power evangelism and they were all about wanting to believe God for the miraculous healings and all sorts of other healings nothing against that okay but but it, it's why today you you have uh, you know, this whole thing going on too, this, this new apostolic reformation, NAR, um, you, you, you have people today who are obsessed with being modern day apostles, modern day apostles. Um, now in scripture, the apostles were those who had, uh, had been with Jesus and seen Jesus and, 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 and he had called them as his apostles. And, and so the church was built upon that foundation with Jesus as, as, as the, uh, the chief Cornerstone, but was built upon the ministry of the apostles and the prophets, and and now you know we got evangelists and pastors and teachers, but but this apostolic uh, you know movement Reformation, 
is also very much about miracles. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't work those uh, extraordinary miracles. I believe he does. But you can get so caught up in that that you don't have the, the focus on the gospel, on, on Bible teaching. And um, I, I, I see that going on in, in, in those movements um, where, you know, they, they, they want they, they want to have something um, all the time, you know, just like praying for that, you know, two-year-old who, who died, uh, you know, to be raised from the dead. And you have to have discernment. I mean, yes, believe God for miracles. I mean, I just listened to a podcast from one of our worship leaders. Like, in fact, I had reached out to a, a ministry, a, a woman who... Um, has uh has a podcast ministry and various miracles that happen well anyway um you know one of our worship leaders was miraculously healed of leukemia about nine or ten years ago i won't go into the whole story but but so she shared her i called and 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 or not called i guess i I reached out uh by email to this uh to this um woman and her podcast and they ended up uh you know contacting katie and so katie did the did the uh, podcast along with some other stories that she was telling i mean so she was healed it was miraculous okay Okay. They didn't think she was going to live. Um, I mean, I know God works those today. Uh, he, he works them a lot. But, but you can't make that the foundation of your ministry, in my opinion. You have to do what they did uh, after the day of Pentecost, uh, which was in Acts 2-4, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So, And that's what Chuck Smith did with Calvary Chapel. Um, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, Okay, not to these... Um, you know, miracles that, that, that sometimes happen. Um, certainly not to chasing after wealth. The word faith movement is way off. Um, and, and, and again, the apostles teaching, um, there, there's nothing in the Bible that says, uh, you know, we're going to continue to have apostles today. Um, we, we've had, we've had that message given to us, son. You know, one of the problems too, if you start to, uh, believe you've got apostles today, um, some of these groups, they, they, they start to think that, well, you know, God's going to, be, be delivering us some new messages that are going to uh, be on par with Scripture, let's say. And no, that's not the case. Uh, I'm not saying God doesn't speak to people today and guide people today and, and, and give messages and special messages today, but you cannot put that on par with Scripture. Um, all Scripture is God-breathed. So we know for a fact that when God breathed upon uh, the authors of Scripture, um, which, which were, uh, you know, some 40 authors uh, over 1,500 years, 66 books, um, that that those uh, what are called, you know, those original autographs, you know, uh, meaning uh, when 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 it was written down uh, on on these papyrus scrolls that 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 they would have been using at that time, um, that was inspired of God. Um, all Scripture as God breathed, that was anointed, that was uh, without error, that was God's message to the world given to us in Scripture. So we are so blessed to have the Bible, and, and, and you've got people that attack the Word of God, um, you, you've got people that, well, you know, the Bible's been you know translated over and over again, hey, wait a minute, time out. Um, you know, from those original documents, okay, copies were made uh, on papyrus or then eventually on parchment, and because it wasn't until the 15th century with the invention of the printing press that they were able to be mass produced, they had to be um, copied by hand. And and you know, son, we have nearly 6,000 manuscripts of the uh, of the Greek New Testament that are copies of the original. You know, nobody has any of the uh, original works 
works of, of uh, you know, Plato or Homer or Caesar or the New Testament. But what we do have are the copies. And, and, and those copies are so in sync with one another that, that they're able to verify that, that yes, um, this is historically accurate. Now, people say, well, you know, but you have uh, some textual variations uh, in those copies. Okay, here's what you have to understand. Um, when you get these people um, copying these manuscripts, um, one of them might might end up uh, having done something a little bit different with punctuation. Um, someone else uh, maybe got a word turned around here or there, but but the main message is the same. And and here's the deal on, on that, son. Um, when it comes to these other uh, works of of ancient literature, um, I think behind the New Testament, um, the next one would be Homer. Homer's Iliad, I think, has like six hundred and some manuscripts, okay? We have uh, nearly 6,000 manuscripts. So we have all sorts of manuscript evidence, copies of the original writing, um, and this is how historians determine, um, you know, if, if an ancient uh, piece of literature is authentic. And, and nobody questions, um, you know, some of these writings that we have from some of these other, um, uh, you know, writers from, from many centuries ago, uh, but you've got those who want to come out and criticize the Bible. And I realize I'm kind of going off on a little bit of a, uh, of a tangent here from what our topic is today, Son, but, you know, you mentioned the Bible, and, and the Bible has come under attack, and the reason I guess I kind of went into all that was just simply to say this. We have God's Word, okay? We, we, we don't have to chase after miracles. We don't have to try to appoint new apostles. Uh, we, we don't have to certainly chase after money. Let's just preach the Word, and that's what Chuck Smith did, and that's why this movie coming out now that's significant um, with Greg Glory, and I, and I know you're going to address it too today in the podcast on um, this movie that's coming out about the Jesus movement. That was a revival. That was a revival, just like, you know, there, there seemed to be science, you know, what's going on at Asbury College and, and even on some other campuses now, there seems to be a revival of the, uh, the Holy Spirit's moving in powerful ways. Um, but it's very significant that Calvary Chapel uh, stuck with the word. Yes, the Holy Spirit, heavy emphasis, prayer, heavy emphasis, you know, certainly believing God for other, you know, miracles and things, but not, not putting something in front of the teaching of the word. And that's how you keep things on track. That's what they, they did right after the day of Pentecost there in Acts 2, 4, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread into prayer. So when we get away from that, um, we start to get off into some weird stuff, and, and, and we've seen that happen, you know, time and time again, and we're all, we're all susceptible to it, but, but thank the Lord he's given us Scripture. All Scripture is God-breathed, and, and by the way, son, those little minor variations, those textual variations, um, even Bart Ehrman, okay, even Bart Ehrman, who's a New Testament scholar, um, Bart Ehrman, has, 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 he's very well known today because, you know, he had been, uh, you know, he, he calls himself, you know, he been a very committed Christian, but but now he's become an atheist, and and really it's interesting. He said the reason he, he left the faith is because you know he couldn't reconcile all the suffering in the world, and that's a tough one for many people. But but he often talks about like the, the textual variations and this and that. But you know, even Bart Ehrman had to admit that 
all of those textual variations, you know, uh, a little um, grammatical thing here, a word order here, okay, among the 6,000 manuscripts, he said, there's not one uh, doctrine of the Christian faith that is affected by those textual variations. He admits that. Um, so we have, we can have great confidence in the Bible. We can have great confidence in its message. It was inspired by God. Um, when, when they wrote down on those papyrus scrolls what God was giving them, you know, it's, it's like Matthew, okay? Um, God used his um, his eyewitness testimony uh, there with the Lord. God used that as part of uh, just the whole process of, of inspiration. But God made sure that the only thing that would would would, would be written down would would be what um, you know what what the Lord had for uh, for that gospel. That was the only thing, and 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 so we can be confident that that what we have uh, is from the Lord uh, and. And yes, it came through individuals, um, you know, you know, with the gospel of Matthew, you know, he, his readership, his audience was a Jewish. So he, that was kept in mind when he was writing. Um, it had his vocabulary. It had his style, but it was God's word. And and so the, the Holy Spirit guided, I'm just using that as an example, but guided what Matthew wrote uh, so that everything God wanted said would be said and nothing was included that God did not want to intend. So that's what we talk about when we're talking about the inspiration of Scripture where we're talking about those original autographs. Now, again, we have to, you know, there, there are actually thousands of textual variations, um, you know, in, in uh, among the manuscripts. But, but here's the thing, Son, you have to understand when it, when it comes to that. Um, that really shouldn't surprise us at all, uh, because you have that with any, uh, any uh, piece of ancient literature where, where there have been, um, you know, many, many copies made. You know, you're going you're gonna to have one person, um, you know, write, Writing something down slightly different in, in, in uh, maybe uh, this word here or this punctuation there, and uh, and so we, we don't need to let that um, throw us off at all. What we have uh, in our in our scripture uh, is the inspired word of God, and like I say, I mean I mean Aristotle. We have um, we have forty nine uh, copies of what Aristotle wrote, forty nine manuscripts. Okay, uh, Caesar ten, Plato seven, um, the New Testament almost six thousand. And here's why you're in a textual variance on. Um, okay, so there are, um, with these 5,800 to 6,000 Greek manuscripts, there's an astounding 2.6 million pages of biblical text. So think about that. 2.6 million pages. And 99.9% and .9 of it, uh, or, you know, some might say 95%, I mean, it, it, it lines up, uh, each manuscript lined up exactly with the other. Where you have the differences are, are in very just minor areas or, or minor, um, minor punctuation, um, you have, uh, you, you don't have anything close to a, uh, um, a doctrinal, uh, something doctrinal that, that's, uh, not supported by the other manuscripts. It, 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 you know, in fact, um, Tim Barnett is a guy, here's what he said, son. He said, it's not the number of variants that's important. It's the nature of the variants. He wrote, most variants are trivial, affecting nothing. In fact, more than 99% fall into this category. So, so, uh, I'll just leave it at this. People who want to criticize the Bible, want to put 
down the Bible. Oh, it's been translated. It's just man. No, it's not. Um, if you're going to say that about the Bible, then you have to say that about any piece of ancient literature, which has far less manuscript evidence uh, than the New Testament. So again, manuscripts, these are the copies, the copies of the original. We don't have the original. You know, uh, papyrus scrolls, uh, you know, they don't last forever. You know, maybe 100 years, maybe maybe 200 years. Um, they're going to wear out. So you have to have copies of, of what was written down um, at the time. And, and so that's what we go on. That's what all historians go on. That's how you know whether something is historically um, uh, true and accurate and, and, and if it came to us passed down um, just the way it was written or whether it has been altered in some way. And so um, anyway, son, uh, I guess I'll, uh, I'll pause there. <laughs> I got going quite a bit there, but uh, a lot. Maybe that maybe the Bible, that, that's, that might be for another podcast, but I know I took a lot of time on that today. Well, I think the um, I think there's a reason why some of those original artifacts, as we call them, um, you know, whether it be original manuscripts, whether it be, um, you know, the Holy Grail, whether it be the cross, whether it be Noah's Ark, you know, some of these Ark of the Covenants. I think God purposely makes them disappear because otherwise they become the object of worship and reverence and supernatural and the vision is taken away from God. Um, you, you know, son, if I might just throw one thing in here. Okay. So, um, and, and I agree with you, I agree with you on that, on the artifacts. Okay. Um, one thing though, that, that is for people to know that's very helpful is, um, like when the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, um, were, when, when, when those Dead Sea Scrolls were found, that was, that was absolutely, um, just as such an incredible discovery because, um, all of a sudden they're signed with the Dead Sea Scrolls. We had, we had Old Testament manuscripts, like the whole book of Isaiah. Um, we had we had things from the Old Testament that were a thousand years earlier than the earliest uh, manuscripts that we had for the Old Testament. So the, so the Dead Sea Scrolls were a huge discovery in, in authenticating what had been passed down to us as Scripture. But so, so they're always finding uh, more and more of these of these manuscripts. Um, and one other one I'll say is. Um, it was over a hundred years ago, but um, there is a monastery uh, there at at the at the base, basically of Mount Sinai in Egypt. And there's uh, this monastery is the oldest um, uh, just uh, monastery that has been going uh, since. Um, uh, well, it's the longest monastery since I, I believe it was about. Uh, 400, uh, 400 AD, uh, that, has been going since then. Um, and so anyway, um, it was discovered there, uh, without getting into too much detail, what's known as the, uh, Codex Sinaiticus, the Codex Sinaiticus, that just means the book of, um, it has all these manuscripts. In fact, it, it had the full, it had the full New Testament and about half of the Old Testament that these monks had there at this monastery um, there in Egypt, the same mount there where God gave us the Ten Commandments, and and, and that that added um, that added to the the uh, the, the, the the textual way the manuscript weight. Um, in, in fact, it's the oldest, it's the oldest uh, book that we have. It's the oldest Bible that we have. It's really perhaps the most important book in the world, the Codex Sinaiticus, uh, be, because when you look, you can go online, you can look at that and you can see how, how it was written and, and the precision um, and how much time that would have taken uh, to the, these pages that have all the Greek letters, because the New Testament was written in Greek, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and, and and 
the Codex Sinaiticus, um, that I agree with you on like the artifacts and those things can get, uh, those, those can become a distraction if we're not careful. But, but what is not an artifact in, in that sense, what is uh, a manuscript, what is uh, scripture, what is a copy of what was originally written, that, that is powerful. And that's what we have in the Dead Sea Scrolls. That's what we have in, in a, you know, these nearly 6,000 manuscripts of the New Testament. And, and if people would only sound get excited about that, about the Word of God, maybe they would start to shed some of their obsession with, oh, I got to pray for this miracle now, this other miracle today, or I got to chase after this money or, or, or whatever. And um, so anyway, son, uh, yeah, it, it, it's just amazing when you think about how God has gotten the Word to us. And, and actually, this Sunday, uh, my message is going to be on uh, why we can trust the Bible. And if any of the listeners would like to, you know, um, you know, uh, connect with that, um, all they'd have to do is just look up um, Redeemer Lutheran Church here in Papillion. Uh, that message will, will go online, and they could listen to it. It'll be some of the some of the things I, I suppose that I just mentioned, but other things as well. And um, it can help a person to say, "Hey, you know, I really can believe what the Bible uh, says because it did come from God. It was inspired, and no, it has not been altered. It's not been changed. The Lord has made sure to get us the the, the message of, of the gospel, the key Christian doctrines that we need, and that's what we have. Even though, yes, there are different translations and and different wording on different things, all of the key doctrines have been preserved for us. They've been passed down from the apostles, you know, now to us here today, and and it's our responsibility not to mess it up and not to try to change it, not to try to make something else the message, just to present the message as Chuck Smith did with Calvary Chapel, and that came out of the Jesus movement. So um, we can learn from history what to do and what not to do. You know, Dan, you mentioned uh, the Jesus movement. You know, I think back to the Azusa Street Revival back in like 1905. You have something mm-hmm. like the Toronto Blessing, Lakeland Revival. Uh, you mentioned the Jesus movement. And then you've got something that is going on in Asbury, uh, in the Asbury Chapel, uh, that sounds something like this. And you've got a revival that is going on there, and the way they've approached it is they've taken a hands-off approach to it. Apparently, chapel started, and then some students didn't want chapel to end. Um, at first, it sounded like a great ploy to get out of going to class, you know, hey, let's stay in worship. And then it kind of grew from there, you know, it kind of grew, and more people have shown up, um, and... And it's gotten to the point where they had to move it from the chapel, I think, to like a bigger arena or whatever, you know, facility. Um, and then through social media, it's spread. Um, I heard or read recently that people from like the Netherlands and places overseas have made the journey, um, mm-hmm. you know. And so anyway, so you've got this revival going on and there seems to be, I don't want to say legitimacy to it. Because like the others weren't legitimate, but there isn't 
that one person, like you look back at Lakeland Revival and Todd Bentley kind of took over and, and as it wore on and more news came out about him, kind of got hokey with some mm-hmm. of the stuff he was dealing with. And then you got the Toronto mm-hmm. blessing where there was holy laughter involved and being slain in the mm-hmm. spirit and some of this other stuff, you know, it doesn't seem like as of now, all these, like, well, I guess now weeks later that anything mm-hmm. like that has come out. So are we possibly looking at something that is legitimately a revival as they call it? Well, that has certainly been my take on it as well, son. I have not seen any reports of of, of anything like crazy like you, you've had in some of these other places at times um, going off the rails. Um, you know, it, it is quite impressive of what God is doing when you have students and then people of various ages who just feel so compelled to stay in the Lord's presence, repenting of their sin, praising the Lord, praying, giving testimonies, and just being still before the Lord at times, having moments of, I'm sure, silence, but many times of of, of just worship and praise, and not having anyone uh, or several people who are kind of like the the, the head figures of it. Um, that's that's very impressive. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, you know what? One thing we see with some of these other um, things at times is, is that if you have uh, whether it be a a, a Bible uh, teacher or a worship leader or somebody, and and they're kind of at the head of this, kind of like John Wimber with the uh, you know the vineyard movement, um, then then you, you kind of get um, their emphasis uh, and that kind of and you got that with John Wimber. It was all about power evangelism, um, and then it kind of became associated with him. Um, and 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 I, I like what what's happening there at Asbury because um, it, it's about the Lord. Um, there, there doesn't seem to be any um, any interest in like um, focusing on man. I mean, I think we even talked on about how there was even one uh, you know prominent. Um, journalist who wanted to go into a story there, but they just kind of said, hey, you know, thanks, but maybe, maybe don't comment. They didn't want to turn it into a sideshow. That's very impressive. Um, that, to me, would be indicative of something God is doing when it's not about glorifying man. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting, Son. It's like the opposite of where we started today with that with that clip uh, and, um, and, and, and her talking about the Holy Spirit being silly and sneaky and all jokes. And that, that, that's kind of like the opposite of what I sense at Asbury and that little clip you played and people could go on and listen um, to a lot more of that online. But um, it, it seems to be very reverent, very sincere. And you get that with genuine revival. You, you, you get just an outpouring of the Holy spirit, prompting people to repent, prompting people to pray, prompting people to praise and worship the Lord. And, and there's much more power in God's presence there. And God is, uh, however you might want to describe it. I mean, just like in the day of Pentecost, God will come with as much power as he decides to bring. And on the day of Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, God brought it. Okay. You know, he brought the rain. I mean, you know, he, he, he brought that power. Um, he, um, he, he unloaded there and, and they were just, um, so overwhelmed by it and in awe of it. And, and it seems like in Asbury, um, that's, that's been going on to a, to a large degree. Uh, you know, and it's just not natural sign for somebody to go to a chapel service and then have that extend for two weeks. I mean, I think that goes without saying that's not natural. Um, and nor does it seem to be anything that they're doing to, um, somehow get recognition for their college. I mean, there have been uh, revivals there in the past, 
but I, I don't, I haven't seen anything that would suggest, you know, they're, they're, they're doing that to, to, uh, you know, make a name for themselves or their university. Uh, I think they, just like many across the nation, they've been crying out to God, uh, for more power, for more, uh, you know, just for revival in America, for the healing of hearts and turning to the Lord. And so, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think it, it, a lot of good indicators, I, not, no red flags popping up. Um, and even here in the last few days, is, uh, maybe the president of the, of the college kind of said, hey, you know, the students are going to kind of be needing to get out with classes as well. We're going to kind of branch out and have this, you know, have to have some of these meetings and some other places, um, you know, locally because they were so overwhelmed just there at the college. I mean, all of that just speaks to a very uh, mature, responsible, God-honoring, Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-led movement um, that I, I think we can rejoice in. And we've seen now, you know, we hear and read that um, it, it seems this power seems to have spread to some other campuses. Um, but that's that's who the Holy Spirit is. He, he's, he is a powerful, uh, he is a powerful person, the third person of the Trinity, who's also fully God, fully God. Um, and just like Jesus, just like the Father. And, and so it's exciting uh, to hear. Um, but the last thing I'll say is when you have revival, uh, it, it's kind of the opposite of what we heard on that first clip. There is an awe of God. There is a reverence of God. You know, can you imagine, Son? I mean, if we heard a clip there at Asbury, somebody standing up and saying what we heard her say about, you know, telling jokes and, and, and oh, you know, the Holy Spirit, he's silly and he's a, he, I, I think he's blue and, and he's like a genie in the bottle. I mean, that is so far from revival. It, well, what that is, that's a counterfeit. That, and that's what the enemy does. He provides counterfeits. And anytime there's a real revival, Satan has always tried to introduce some counterfeit uh, experiences into the thing to try to discredit it, to try to take people off on a, on a wrong course. And that's what you get when you get away from the word. You know, uh, when God poured out power on the Jesus movement there, um, those groups had to make a decision. Are we going to stay tethered to scripture? Okay. Are we going to be like a, uh, let, let's say like a, like a hot air balloon, um, that, or let's say a kite. Are we going to be like a kite, um, that we let up in the air, but we have this string attached to something where it's flying up there high, but it's tethered. It's tethered to something we're holding. It's not going to just go, you know, and, and out into, um, you know, uh, the atmosphere where we can't see it. Now compare that to a helium filled balloon. Okay. That you just let go of, you know, like sound like we've talked, you know, I guess they don't do this anymore, but like at the games and Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, you know, after the first score, you know, everybody let, let, let the red balloon go and you'd see all these, you know, thousands of balloons going up into the air. Well, that untethered, uh, hot, you know, helium filled balloon, that's like the, uh, that's like the religious experience that, that gets away from scripture. It's not tethered. It, it, it just goes anywhere. Who knows where it's going to go? Uh, as compared to the kite that is tethered by this string, it, it, it's, it, it's secure there. And, and that's what the word of God does. It, it, it takes us high in, in the spirit, takes us high in terms of worship and prayer and praise, but we're still, we're still connected um, to, to the Lord, to the gospel. And, and we, where you see these um, aberrations going on and these counterfeit things going on, it, it's where they're, they're basically like the helium filled balloon. And they've had some sort of religious experience, but it's not rooted in the new Testament in scripture, both the old and the new Testament really, for that matter. Um, it's not rooted in the Bible. 
but but it's not a New Testament um, uh, spirit-filled experience like you had with the Day of Pentecost. It's, it's not that. It, it's emotional. It's silly. It, it's weird. Um, and, and that's the one thing about like like Asbury. Okay, I don't know if anybody would call that weird. They would call that holy. They would call. They, they'd be like, wow, you know, that, those people are really they're really into that. But it's not weird. It, it, you know, that's the difference between genuine revival and fanaticism. Okay, Satan wants to Satan wants you to 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 go off track and and become a fanatic and be like that helium filled balloon. So I, I don't see any of that happening at Asbury. Uh, I, I've heard others say the same thing. Uh, again, no no movement. I suppose is going to be perfect. No, uh, you know. But um, in our day, uh, I can't remember some. You know, uh, you know, you and I have been at this a long time in terms of just the ministry that that we do and and with our families and in our own ministry and you know me as a pastor and with your podcast what you you've done for a long long time and um i don't know can you remember anything quite like this in terms of just um you know what what, what people are calling a revival i i can't really remember anything in, in recent memory you know no and like one of the things you mentioned dan is that you know it's not about one person it's not like one person up there leading when you read like the reports and the descriptions coming out a lot of people mm-hmm. are talking about how it's just maybe student led and how maybe multiple people might lead different things as far as the worship goes it talks about yeah. people just getting up and reading scripture or people coming forward for prayer or people just uh you know sitting back and just you know worshiping you know there's no agenda so to speak to it. it's not like they're having faith healing it's not like they're having like someone preach it's not like they're having these traditional things that you might have it's just people are showing up to experience god apparently and That's right. and That's right. and whatever might come of it but it's not it's it's like i said it's just you know scripture reading it's you know coming that, forth for right. prayer confession you know stuff like that and yeah and it ma- yeah. makes me think that you know maybe the traditional church you know because again think about it they describe the chapel as humble you know warden seats you know i guess the kind of instead of pews maybe you have seats or maybe they're pews i don't know but you know you just mm-hmm. think of this kind of humble chapel and there's no flashy screens. There's no, you know, rock concert right. going on. There's no smoke. Right. There's no nothing that we see right. a lot in the contemporary churches, not to knock it, but let's just compare. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of, it's almost like you get back to basics, back to the roots, back to what Jesus intended in his ministry as he just walks yeah. amongst the people and they gathered wherever, you know, whether it be on the banks of the Gal- of the, of the um, Sea of Galilee or wherever mm-hmm. it was, they just gathered and it's almost like that. It's almost like this kind of just started here. And as they're, like you said, as they're wrapping it up, at least on campus, someone asked, why are you stopping this? And the pa- yeah. the president yeah. was like, you know, we didn't start this, so we're not stopping yeah. something. You can't stop right. something right. we didn't start. And so, again, exactly. the comments that come out, it sounds like this is just something that God might be utilizing yeah. to create, um, you know, who knows what the purpose is, but at least to touch lives here on earth. It may be a time where we really need it because the the rest of the world mm-hmm. is just so frenzied and nuts and and really yeah. you know Satan is really having a stronghold in this world and so maybe this is just respite for some people and maybe a reminder to the rest of us who can't make it there that yeah. we don't need something fancy we don't need some big Bethel church or Bethel music or Hillsong music yeah. or whatever yeah. Um, yeah just need to gather together prayer. Maybe, well, maybe maybe some worship yeah. music and maybe some scripture and that might sum it up. 
Well, I'll tell you, Son, no, I, I think that's right on target. And as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, it, it, what this is, is, is this is not personality driven as, as so many times different church things can be and, and ministry things can become personality driven. This is power driven. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. This is God getting the glory. People, as you said, wanting to be in God's presence. And, and when you're, when, when, and here's the thing, Son, and I'm sure there'll be listeners to this who like, it's kind of hard to relate to what, to what this is like because Unless you have, I mean, I mean, even many Christians, okay. Um, unless you have been in, in a setting somewhere where the power is just off the charts, you know, what one for me, son, I'll never forget. 1994, um, we went to the Promise Keepers uh, Men's Conference in Boulder, Colorado, and I just remember there, and I, we, we were singing, uh, you know, ten thousand men, I think it was, were you know, singing uh, Amazing Grace. You know, we've been there ten thousand years. Maybe that was it. There were more than 10,000 men there. I think we were singing. That's where I was remembering 10,000. But anyway, um, yeah, because I think there was a lot more than 10,000 men there. But anyway, um, uh, I just remember the power that was there. That You could feel it. I mean, the presence of God. Um, and, and I thought at the time that, you know, this is this is maybe the closest thing to heaven that I'll ever experience. Now, there have been many times where I've experienced God's power, whether it's in, in a worship service or, or during a, a message or, or, you know, many times. But but to that degree, that was just like off the charts. And, and but that's what revival is like. And that's what I believe has been going on in Asbury. So you step into that. And, and, and if you're a sincere Christian who wants to meet with God, I mean, I think you find it so easy and really so easy to enter into that. And then so hard to leave. You don't want to leave. And, and that's why um, this thing has continued. And, and the last thing I'll say on that son, and, and, you know, we talked about why, why the world needs this today. Just think about how many times on our televisions, you know, and it's, it's, it's and, and, and we, we see it on, on, uh, you know, uh, the news reporting online too. take a place like San Francisco. You can mention many cities. Okay. I mean, they're talking more and more about zombies. You know, uh, what I mean by that are these, these drug, uh, drug induced people who are just, they've, they've lost their minds. They're, they're they, they look like zombies and they've got these tent cities. I mean, think about how sad and tragic and, and just dark that is and all the people dying. I mean, and, and you know, and you got all those dying from fentanyl and so many other things, but all of these tent cities popping up and, and, and that's kind of like the opposite son of what revival is. Okay. Revival, um, it brings wholeness to your spirit, your soul, your body. It brings wholeness. It brings joy. Um, you're in a good place with God. You know, you're reconciled to God by, uh, by trusting in Jesus and his shed blood uh, for you on the cross. You're, you're, you're not, you're not suffering under the weight of, of, of a drug addiction. Or if you are, and you know, you might go to a revival and have that, but, but boy, there's power then to be free from that. But it, when, when you look at that revival, just watch some of the YouTube videos, just watch it for five minutes and, and then, and then uh, look up one of these tent cities where, where they walk around now uh, or they have like a YouTube video and, and you go down the street and, and you got people just hunched over and people shooting up, you know, every, you go a few steps and, and because that's what Satan wants to do. He, he wants to so um, abuse people in this life and in the, in, in the next life that, that he will work to get people um, just 
so messed up by sin or by drugs, by all sorts of things. Um, whereas revival is what's needed because we are sinful. We do need power from the Lord. We need great power. And so, yeah, I think uh, what we're saying here, son, is, um, hey, praise the Lord for what he's doing there at Asbury College or University. And um, we just pray that that continues and it, it advances and that it, it happens right where we're at and where other Christians are at and other, you know, just where people, wherever people are. We, we pray that revival will break out uh, because it, it affects it affects believers, you know, um, uh, really, first and foremost, it affects believers. Uh, but then the world kind of looks at it like, well, what's going on here? You know, because they don't really understand it, nor nor how could they? You know, but anybody who would be wise would say, hey, I want to dip my foot in that pool of water because something's going on there, and it seems like God might be in that. And and uh, so, uh, you know, I, I would say to anybody listening, if uh, you know, if you want to experience that, then find a church where the Word of God is being faithfully preached. Go there, worship um, regularly, and ask God to renew you and revive you, and most of all, uh, you know, place your faith in Christ and and, and be saved, uh, if you're not already, um, but then go there and ask God to renew you and revive you, and um, God will do it. I mean, he, you know, he's, he's doing it around the world, and he's doing it here now in America once again, um, and so it, it's just uh, awesome to see. Definitely lessons that can be learned from what's going on in Asbury. Dan, thanks so much. We appreciate your time and uh, consideration coming on and talking about these things and your insights. And um, it's just amazing what God can do in a sinful world when we um, allow him to, you know, when we, when we heed that calling and we listen to that still small voice, you know, it could lead to some great things. So we appreciate your time and we look forward to many more conversations, God willing. Oh, amen. Well, thank you as well so much, Son. It's sure been wonderful to be with you today, and I look forward to our, our next time together on the next podcast. And for those of you listening, hey, thanks for listening. Check out our website at uh, RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. Click on the Sanctified Reason logo, and all of our shows will pop up. If you want to listen to some other com- uh, other shows, if you want to comment, you can send us an email. Uh, send us an email at Sanctified Reason Podcast. Uh, at gmail.com, and we will definitely respond. Uh, This is Sanctified Reason Podcast. We're sitting at the crossroads of faith and pop culture. Dan Delzell and myself, Son Edom, talking about the stories and social medias that affect society today. Thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, and until next time, God bless.